I've mentioned it before, Clay, that um, Enterprise, I thought, did horror surprisingly well. It was something that that series managed to do every once in a while. And even if they didn't overly focus on it, I thought that they were pretty effective at being scary, at uh, being in space. I think that um, Voyager is low-key funny in interestingly <laughs> interesting ways. Um, mm-hmm. There's probably a deeper discussion to have about the the comedy in this series. But like the, the one that we had last week where Tuvok was deadpanning about the doctor being in that nightmare holodeck experience and he, he and Tuvok just says, well, outside of that, nothing really happened today. It was kind of a slow day, which yes. I thought was funny. This one, um, non sequitur, the Harry Kim episode has, <laughs> has a good airplane-esque Leslie Nielsen bit where uh, Harry tells his girlfriend that he has to go see Paris and she responds, I thought you were going to Marseille. <laughs> <laughs> I in an episode that I'm sure we're gonna get into is not particularly being very good. That did tickle my my fancy. I, I it's it's a kind of joke that I, I, I think I'm starting to um I think this is the point where Star Trek is starting to move outside of itself as a franchise. You know what I mean? Like mm. that doesn't I don't think that joke plays in TOS DS9 and TNG as it does here. You know, I I think no, that Voyager's not, at a no. at a Voyage is at a unique point where it kind of does its humor that seems like it's outside the franchise or something. Yeah, yeah, that that seems like a very specific type of joke that you probably wouldn't have seen in any of the previous. Yeah, uh, you would see that in Enterprise. That joke, I think you would. I think you would yeah. see that. In, I think uh, you see a lot of stuff that happens in this episode in Enterprise. I see a, I, lot, a lot of similarities. You know, I don't. Maybe you might see that joke in later seasons of DS Nine. Like when things get a little looser with locations and stuff and everything just kind of like settles in a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't. Not the, not the other ones. Yeah, I, I, I'm i trying to think of what character would say it in DS9. Uh, maybe Bashir, something like that. Maybe it's a Bashir line, but I still I still think it's a Voyager. Um, it's a Voyager difference and, and several differences that Voyager has so far. So let's get into non sequitur. It is the fifth episode of the second season of Star Trek Voyager. It came out on September 25th, 1995, written by Brennan Braga, directed by David Livingston, and universe dates 49011, which is 2372. In this episode called Non Sequitur, Harry Kim is placed in an alternate timeline where he was never assigned to Voyager. Um, so I guess the place to start with this one is that uh, I thought this one was well. I, I think we're I think we're in a, a, a definite phase of season two here, which I know that from the behind the scenes stuff, season two's production was very difficult. Um, they had to pull oh, a, lot, a lot of episodes from season one that they held over. There was a lot of turnover with the top because uh, Michael Pillar had returned after leaving through the first season, so he came back and that kind of re uh, screwed everything up a little bit. Like the. Uh like the the small town theater director who goes to the big city and then yeah, returns comes, comes back and has to explain why he came back. <laughs> that came back. I know that I believe they were behind right from the start of the season, so it was like a race mm-hmm. to get episodes together and stuff like that. And I, I tried working at TBS, but they just didn't get what I was doing. Oh, sorry, so Co- I had to come sorry, back <laughs> here to UPN where they understand real art. They they get it, and Rick was happy to have him back. Yeah, I think that um, I think that we're in a, we're in a definite lull here. If I had to sum up all the episodes we've seen of this season so far, I think I'd say that they are all 
half-baked first drafts, really. And like, sure. if, if there was a rush in production to get this stuff done, I think it makes a lot of sense because if anything describes non sequitur, I think it's the fact that it feels like a first draft of something. And it's the first draft where you pass it in and people read it and they go, ah, nothing really happens <laughs> in yeah. this episode. Like, what, what's this about, Brandon? And he goes, well, I have to think about it. And then he comes back and he thinks about it for a day and he goes, you know... Maybe I should um maybe this should just be a Tom Paris episode. You know? Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Harry Kim isn't the right person to have this be the thing that he does cuz we don't really know anything and like why 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 would Harry Kim want to get back to Voyager? Like wouldn't he want to yeah. stay? So it feels right. like that. If you want to flesh out any of those thoughts, go ahead. Well, first of all, um my first impression of this when it started was the sense that I got was that doing so many alternate reality type episodes so quickly tells me that they're running out of ideas for the core concept of the show, mm-hmm. which is unfortunate because I feel like the core concept of the show is pretty solid and you should be able to get stuff out of it if you commit to what you're doing, but they, they kind of haven't. <clears throat> um and yeah, I thought that this episode was This could have been a core first... concept. Sorry to interrupt. I thought you were sure. going to go on that, but like this could have been this could have been about Harry Kim feeling guilty for being the only survivor quote unquote of Voyager who made it home, you know? I, I have some thoughts about that. I'll get to in a minute. Sure, um, go ahead. But yeah, so as I was watching it, I was I thought like the first 2 thirds of it were boring, like ex- excruciatingly boring. And the last third of it was just straight up bad. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but what I will say to, to your point about this being a, a half fleshed out idea, I don't even think like this is even half fleshed out because it's, it, I don't know, it just feels like a really hack Star Trek idea that we've seen done better a thousand times before. Mm-hmm. However, um, I hadn't thought about having paris be the the main character but i i do agree with what you're saying because my thought was they should have done it as a two-hander where you have kim and paris both go back yeah and so you can have um you can have that back and forth between kim and paris where paris wakes up and he's a, a bum on the street and he's like you know this is just 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 leave it harry this is where i belong i never belonged to be on you know that kind of thing and so he has to kind of like convince paris that going back to the voyager is the right thing however <clears throat> all of this is rendered null and void by the fact that um harry kim is trying to get back to voyager right yeah and he is in this alternate reality where he was not on voyager and I guess Paris also wasn't on Voyager. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as we know, as far as we know, everything else happened the way it happened on the show, right? Yeah. The Danny, Danny Bird was the something like that replaced Kim. But other than Tom and and Harry, everything else is exactly the same. Sure. So instead of saying, I need to get back to Voyager, I need to fly out and go into this time rip to send me back to Voyager, at no point does he think... I know where Voyager is. I can save everybody. Mm-hmm. And like that just broke the whole thing apart even more for me because I was like, I don't even know like why he's not even thinking about this rationally for a second where it's like he's back on Earth 
Everybody else is on is out in the Delta Quadrant. He knows exactly where everybody is. Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't he going to Starfleet and saying, "Hey, I know what happened to Voyager." Yeah. We can get we can get these guys. Instead, he decides to go back to Voyager because the show requires him to do that. And so it's it's just a really yeah, it's it's a not it's not thought out at all and like the end is the end is so bad yeah it's a when bad it's ending. just a, a series of scenes of them just trying to wring drama out of standing over a computer screen and yep. just saying stuff at each other and then tom sacrifices himself hilariously at the end he like he beams out and then the shuttle blows up <laughs> yeah it's just real bad but like i do think i i think there could have been some interesting you know, if Paris had also gone back with him, or as you're saying, if Paris was the only one who did go back, yeah, I, th- I think he I th- has to be the only one who goes back. If yeah, goes back. I, I think, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think Harry Kim going back makes zero sense. Yep, because like, it, let's let's combine the two things we're talking about here, right? Like, so if Paris goes back, <clears throat> it's, um, a, it's a very much a tapestry episode where he sees sure. the life he could have lived. Yeah, sure. And if he goes back, maybe he does attempt to tell starfleet where voyager is but they don't listen to him because they think he's a maquis spy yep so like there's that built into it and so like he has there is now an element of helplessness and 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 uh actual drama and and intention about uh, and tension about what's going on instead of just this is the quintessential example of my least favorite thing pretty much in all drama tv stories comics movies whatever which is and i've said this a million times your main character, all he's doing is trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, and it's so boring because we know we we, we know everything. Like, you know, it's like okay, alternate reality, and then he spends forty minutes going, "Wait a minute, I'm engaged." Yeah, <laughs> I I don't know anything about this starship that I designed. How am I gonna? Why? What's going on here? I need a like, coffee. Who, <laughs> yeah, I need a coffee. And then you have this you have this g- alien show up masquerading as a coffee vendor who sits him down and he was like, "Well, you know, things happen. Well, even, we kind of bumped before- into your ship and uh <laughs> bingo bango, we're not sure how you got here, but you're here now." Even before that, you know something because Every time he leaves a scene with the coffee barista, the camera lingers on the barista who look like looks off right. into the distance of what's going on. We'll get to the barista in a, a little bit because I have a lot to say about him, but I was thinking I thought there are two there are two ways you can do this episode that I think make sense and they're both kind of similar. So there's the Tom Paris one where this becomes a tapestry episode where Tom Paris sees the life that he was saved from by going to Voyager. And so that yep. his his rationale for going back is that as you're saying no one believes him because he has not had his Starfleet redemption yet. So mm-hmm. in this reality no one trusts him. But he thinks that he owes Janeway and the rest of the crew enough that he can't live in this life without them. You know, like he right, he right. feels like he would be wronging them to not try to go back and get on the ship again. Harry Kim is in a tougher situation because this episode would have to convince me that Harry Kim has a good reason to go back to Voyager in this right. reality. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And he doesn't really, which is a shame. Like. He has almost literally no reason to go back to Voyager except for the fact that Harry Kim belongs on Voyager, as you were saying. So yeah. it's really it's really dumb. And at least Paris has an inkling of a backstory that you can work with there. Harry mm. Kim doesn't have anything, unfortunately. And 
the like the the way that they can do a Kim thing, I think, is similar to Paris, except it's not as strongly developed. Which is that he feels a kind of guilt that he is the one who survived the Voyager expedition, and like he doesn't know what's going to happen to everybody else. No one believes him, and that that feeling of guilt. I thought should have been played more effectively through the episode where like maybe cast an actress who can act and they have some kind of chemistry <laughs> together so that you feel that there's a reason he would want to stay yeah. because I, I don't even think this episode f- does it a, a super effective job of conveying that this is real life to him. You know, like mm-hmm. this is not mm-hmm. a weird alternate uh, lizard tongue universe that he's found himself in. Right, right. Th- this is reality, except for the fact that he didn't get on Voyager. So yeah. I, f- I feel they should have done a little bit more convincing of making it worthwhile for Harry to stay. It's just very tough to convince me that he would stay, unfortunately, because he's not very well developed. I, I mean, the first thing they should have done if they were going to go this route is I don't know why they have Voyager's mission go off the exact same way. You got you to gotta blow Voyager up. Like mm-hmm. Everyone's got to be explicitly dead. Because now that's where his guilt comes from. Because like I said, he should be telling Starfleet exactly where Voyager is. <clears throat> but if you if uh, if you have, like, it's undeniable that on this mission, you know, I don't know, because Tom Paris wasn't steering the ship or something, yeah. uh, Voyager blows up and everybody is confirmed dead. Now you have the survivor's guilt element where he's the only one left. So now he's like, I can't live with myself here. With, if everybody else is dead, so I need to get back and make everything right to bring everybody back. Like, yeah. That's that's the only way that works. That, right, and um, that's that's more of an alternate universe. You know what I mean? Like that that is a definite. Like there is a lesson to be learned there. If the if the universe is so altered that he has a real survivor's guilt because he knows everyone else is dead, which I think also yeah. works. Yeah, and you know, secondly to your point, um, Tom Paris works so much better because we know stuff about him, whereas Harry Kim. We don't know jack shit about him. No, we were told and everything so, in this episode. I didn't know you yeah, had a girlfriend. Yeah, you can't, much like the Mirror Universe stuff, you can't hold a mirror up to something that you've never seen before. Or You know what I mean? Yep. So it's, it's it does, none of this means anything to me that he's got this fiance that apparently it's his fiance like before they leave too or his girlfriend or something. Yeah, I think it's his real, I, I, maybe he has brought her up before, but she exists. Like she's a real thing that he's yeah, trying to get home but to. But she, she has no weight on the character before no. this episode, but they, they expect you to care about any of this stuff that's going on for, in, I, I don't know. It's just, it's so boring. You know, it's so boring. you know, the weirdest girl, the word weirdest fiance girlfriend scene was where it's the one where they, um, they have what I assume was 15 seconds of missionary sex. And he, they, he wakes <laughs> up in the middle of the night and he goes over to check his work email on the computer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's framed in such a way that it looks like a horror sequence. She gets out of bed and like silently stands up behind him and <laughs> just sits up like the undertaker. <laughs> <laughs> I thought for sure she was going to come over and like st- uh, stab him or something, but no, she's yeah. just, it's just awkwardly done because he's talking to himself and she doesn't say, Harry, what are you doing until he's done talking to himself? That's another thing too, right? Like, at this point, at that point in the episode, he knows something's wrong and he knows that he's in like an alternate timeline or something, but he still takes time to have sex with his girlfriend. <laughs> it's like, well, we're gotta, here. I mean, you know, we're not, yeah, every, at least, it's, everything's already done. I may as well just, you know, can't it be more me. late than I already am. Would it convince me? If, if these two actually 
if there was some genuine relationship between these two, I would have been at, le- at least I would have felt that that was an attempt to make it seem like there's a reason that he's being torn about staying or not staying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just dead on arrival. Everything in this. Yeah. <laughs> the scenes are the scenes are pretty bad. I love their their apartment set is like Star Trek meets Friends though. What a yes. what a fantastic yes. apartment. <laughs> I my favorite set decoration thing was how Harry Kim lives in Old Town. Yeah. So they had an excuse to shoot on the Paramount back lot, which is just like New York from the from the nineteen fifties, <laughs> with with uh, sun chairs covering up the the uh, yeah. not modern stuff. I'm assuming they just yeah. they just put some like holodeck archways over the subway system. Like, no, nah, it's the future. <laughs> it's the um. This episode maybe it's because there wasn't a lot going on. It did definitely make me think about. Um, I know we've kind of talked about it, other shows. Well, it made me think about other shows, but it also <laughs> made me think about something that we've kind of touched on in the past, but not really. It hasn't really felt as obvious to me as it did in this episode, which is that um, once you get back to Earth, the economics of how the society runs don't really make a lot of sense, obviously, which is not a very novel thought. A lot of people have sure, said that, but sure, yeah. it comes down to me to like the apartment, right? Like how do you decide that you get the nice apartment right, in this universe? Right. Yeah. And why would anyone want to be a coffee barista for no money? Like it's, it's just, yeah, it's just a yeah. weird, it's a weird setup and people have talked about it well, a lot, but it's strange seeing it when it's so, when it's so the focus of an episode, for some reason I didn't feel this way with, um, Cisco's dad. I don't know why. But oh, sure. I just felt yeah. like that guy would cook, but the barista I didn't buy. Yeah, I think it's a matter of having an idea, but never taking the time to flesh it out yeah. or, or think about the um, <clears throat> what it actually means to impl- implement it. Because I think you could actually, you know, I think you could come up with some sort of explanation on what the ecosystem and, and the money system or, or whatever it is is like on Earth. But would that just take more time to explain? And yep. it would just be hard. It would be something else in a show that already has a lot of stuff that is not familiar to viewers. Um, it would just be adding on to that pile, which I mean, some people probably would like. But yep. I can I can understand the need for shorthand in, in episodes where they go back to Earth, where it's like, okay, let's just, for the sake of argument, say everything's exactly the same, except nobody needs money anymore. Yeah. Don't think past that. Everybody's happy. That's all you need to know. It's because the the early series were starship based, right? Like those, the yeah. early series yeah. never went back to modern Earth, really. Or if they did, it was never in a way that you uh, you had this opportunity to see future Earth in any real right. sense. Yeah. So they didn't have to contend with it because on a starship, you kind of guess that every you you know it's very militaristic, so everyone's kind of equal in the sense that they all get a room and board and food and stuff like that, so they're all taken care of. But yeah, it always it, it pops up in my head in stuff like Picard, where it's like Picard drives out to the middle of the desert where Rafi's living in a shack. Yeah. Because she can't, she's not working for Starfleet. Anymore. It's like, what do you what? Yep. Yep. So she's she's done this because she's actively chosen to do this, not because she can't afford to live anywhere else, right? Yeah, she's actively wallowing in that. She has she's choosing yeah. to be that way. Yeah, non sequitur had some of that stuff, but it was mostly, I mean, I'm mostly paying attention just because the scenes that are around those ones don't really work in any way. Like the 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 one where he's like, "I'm very ill, I can't present." <laughs> 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 and they just also, fucks off and screws that guy over out of his career or whatever. Also, I've only just now 
because we were talking about this thought about the implications of Earth not having money in the sense of being part of a federation of planets. Yeah. Because that would be like that would be like someone from you go to a new planet and it's like it's like somebody from England coming to America and trying to buy a bagel and you're like, "Ah, oh, it's $4." And they're like, "I'm sorry, I don't we don't use money." It's like, "Okay." Yeah. $4. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, like don't, who, we don't we don't accept who, that money. Do the Klingons always have to cover the cab fare for the for the Federation for the uh, Starfleet guys when they go to the Federation meetings on Vulcan or something? I mean, that's what Lat like DS Nine talks about Latinum all the time, right? You know, yeah. So is, like, there well, is that's they're so off world though. They're in like a different ecosystem, clearly. Right? But. Yeah, I think that the yeah, I would have just I would have just kept I would just kept money or something, or I would have had something. I would have had some someone. Kind of, Someone should just retcon it and be like, oh, when they say money, they mean paper money. Everything's just credit cards now. Yeah, it's all crypto. It's just Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, you get everybody's got a UBI. <laughs> so you've got a universal basic income, but you also have credit cards. So it's like it's like there's no money, but there is still an opportunity to move up and down the ladder financially. You know, yeah. like UBI can cover the cost of living in one place. But if you really wanted to live in the Harry Kim suite, yeah, you, you got to, you actually got to work for a living. Got to add a little value to things. Yeah. 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 I, I, I guess it's kind of funny that like, it almost feels like a step back in the franchise because in TOS and TNG, w- w- they didn't have money, but everyone kind of operated on like a pre money trade system where they're like, we have grain, we have water. Let's trade these things. You know, there's no, yeah. There's yeah. no um, currency to it. It's just a very you, basic mercantile. Could you thing. imagine how long and arduous those days are for that coffee barista if nobody has to pay for coffee? He would have lines out the door every single day of people getting the biggest coffee and the most obnoxious sandwiches. Well, and the, like I don't think humanity is so evolved that after they get their free food and coffee, they still wouldn't complain if the coffee was a little cold. You know, listen, like, so there's listen. no positives to this. I have been, I have been to this, I've been to this society. <laughs> Don't make me talk about my trip to Jamaica again, <laughs> because we all know how it goes, <laughs> and it doesn't work. This is, this is not this is not the future that we should be building together, people. There's no tartar sauce in the future. Do you have any Bitcoin? I don't. I don't. Not not to sound like one of those people, but I don't. I don't really trust that stuff. Yeah. I also don't have enough money to invest in it, even if I did. So no, I don't. Yeah, I don't invest. I own a little bit just because I was curious about how you actually buy it and like yeah. how how it how it works. But um, yeah, I I don't know. It's it's funny. It's one of those things where it's like because you know i talk you know you talk to like your boomer parents or in-laws or something they're like i don't understand this bitcoin like how does it work and when you when you break it down it's really not all that different from fiat currency right like Mm -hmm. you you just tell them that they trust the value of a dollar basically like why do you trust the value of this paper dollar in your hand um obviously it's not as settled as that and stuff but it's uh I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever take off or something like that. But it's a very weird feeling buying it and like wondering what it, where it's sitting and like how you use it and how you buy stuff with it. I don't mm-hmm. think they have that all figured out, but maybe they will by the time that Harry Kim makes it back to Earth. Um, the barista. I guess the barista. So the other thing that makes me think about the this is being an Enterprise episode. The reveal that 
the alien is there three quarters of the way through the episode and he could have just told Harry from the start felt very enterprisey to me. It's yeah, a lot of yeah. like, we're just living in a mystery because we don't really know what this episode is about. And so once we get to this point where we got to reveal it, this guy will just say, this has been the whole story the whole time. I could have told you much earlier and it would have saved a lot of time. But here we go. Let's see how the ending wraps up. Yeah. And he doesn't he doesn't give him any sort of like choice or set of consequences or anything he just tells them what's going on no downside it's like no downside yeah. to trying to nope. break the time cycle or whatever <clears throat> now nah, you can stay here if you want but uh if you really want to go back here's a uh it's real complicated to go back really complicated yeah. you might not make it it's tough it's like tough. it's like trying to do a fatality in mortal Kombat. <laughs> he's got to do a lot of things right at the certain very certain specific distance and of course it works because there's never any doubt that this is going to work out for him but yeah it's just a um those aliens were lazy, whatever that barista is supposed to be. It's a really mm-hmm. real first draft. So this is the sci-fi techno babble of this episode where there's a time stream. Oh, oh you got God. stuck in it. It's we got to get back into it. Yeah. When they had the scene where they were, they, they beam themselves into the, the bay of the new runabout or something. And then like, like they didn't even take the time to do coverage for the scene mm-hmm. it's just like a master shot two shot of paris and kim oh running around hunched, <laughs> yeah. hunched over these computers <laughs> just like yelling ridiculous shit at each other yeah for I like a minute for yeah it was, it was yeah. very awkward yeah and then like they have another one when they're actually on the runabout when they're just like i <laughs> it's the first time i ever really noticed i, I started watching kim's hands on the on the computer screen yeah because they're holding on him for so long as he's just babbling about nothing that uh, he's like moving his hands around and i was like he looks like everybody who ever played a piano in a movie that never played a piano before (laughs) and so it's like he's not touching anything specific he's just kind of like sliding his hands across the board every now and then to imply that he's doing something yep oh and it's just it's the worst techno babbly bullshit and it's just there's nothing nothing to care about in any of these scenes yeah it's it's a it's a bad ending built on techno babble with tom paris there to offer something um you know to offer someone for kim to talk to but not really add any kind of dramatic depth to it or anything like that it's it's too bad because i um you know you had mentioned before i guess the final point before going to patron thoughts is that you had mentioned uh the fact that Star Trek has done this kind of story before. And I think my biggest disappointment is that I would agree with that, but I do think that there is a way for this to be different because of the setup of Voyager, the way that it is. Like, I think there is a sense of I survived something and I feel guilty or Voyager is the thing that saved me and Voyager is the thing that changed the trajectory of my life. And therefore I want to go back to that place I think that all works, and I think that there's something there. This is just an unfortunate, bland version of the alternate timeline history thing, where it's just Harry Kim walking around like you're a, in an RPG trying to figure out what the town looks like in Morrowind. You're like, where's the blacksmith? Where's the, where do I go here? And just wandering around and yeah, pretty dull, pretty dull. They didn't even they didn't even like go all the way in presenting him with a version of his life that was just objectively better. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's it's not even like, uh, you know, he's got the super hot wife and then also this thing he designed is already been approved. And so like he's being uh, he's got a rocket strapped to his back going up the chain of command kind of thing. You Sorry. Know, like he's in, yeah, that's that's an interesting <clears throat> point. Why? Why doesn't 
the 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 one thing that seems odd is that they seem like they make up the fact that he invented some incredible warp drive breakthrough, right? He what they yeah. should have done is before he left on Voyager, it was something he was working on, so he at least has a familiarity with it, right? So that mm-hmm. you can kind of understand like he could go back into this world if he wanted to because he understands what he was working on and he could have given that presentation, you know? Yeah. I yeah. This is weird. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That God. scene, man, that scene. If I was the showrunner on Voyager and Brandon Braga handed me that script and I got that scene where the scene is literally Harry Kim attempts to pitch a new spaceship but he says, I can't because my stomach hurts. And then the guy goes, well, I'm going to be off planet for three weeks. So let's uh, <laughs> let's circle back then. And that's the whole scene. I was With like, an you admiral. Be fucking kidding me. It's, <laughs> it's awful. Yeah. Should have been a little bit more upset for Kim you wasting know, his time. This is this is this episode is bad in a very specific kind of way. And it's not like it's not like ridiculous bad. It is just it's it's unthoughtfully bad. You know, yeah, like the, yeah. you get some episodes of Star Trek that are very thoughtfully bad, like when you've got like your Angel Ones or whatever, where it's like they really th- tried to think this out and it just they just thought they went down the wrong path. Yeah. And they yeah. committed to it. They committed to this silly idea. This one, it's just it's just bad in a in a lazy kind of bland sort of way that it's it's like the most boilerplate sci fi idea not explored in any interesting way. And then ultimately resolves itself in in a way that doesn't make you feel anything. So with that, so let's go to patron comments. So thanks. I originally, go ahead. I originally was going to ask if we could just talk about. I just watched Back to School, the Rodney Dangerfield movie, for the first time on the plane yeah. coming back from San Diego. Yeah, I was going to say let's just talk about that because Terry Farrell's that it's 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 closer oh, nice. to a Star Trek movie than this is. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, if we did that, we couldn't get no respect from the listeners. So mm. we'll go to Patreon thoughts. Thanks, everybody. Patreon.com uh, slash The Pensacofowl. Best way to support the show, patreon.com slash The I'll Go there. Support us a couple dollars a month. And you get all the extra stuff, extra podcasts, blah, blah, blah. And as always, we thank our Captain Tier supporters who include Ben Douglas, Tark Latif, Andrew Boudreau, Christian Boudreau. We're still doing this. Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Michael Pond, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergi, Sean Bradley Killens, Brandon Neal Howells, Vault 13 Hero, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Rice, Jordan Cooper, Russell O, Stephen Minton, HH28, Darth Moss, Derek Zajak, Paul Roscoe, Jake123, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Point XG, Barry Wallace, Jamie Crow, Captain Brazenick, Eric Antoine, Jacques Gamur. I finally got that one. I understand that one now. I was not pronouncing it right. William Scheisler, Rayhan Jaffer, Nick the Red, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardieu, Gruppler, John Zorn, Tom Hickey, Captain McMunchausen, Celestine, Champion de Boudreau, Jonas, Tuvix Must Die, Disbrother, Chris McLaughlin, Royo, Admiral Nakamura, Clef They Them, Edmark Starr. Next person is Jer- Jeremy Boudreau, J-Man, The Undiscovered Mugato, Robbie Duffield, Will Clay, Atanga Boudreau, Artorias, Zalen Maru, Jaron Hatch, and John Ailman. Thanks very much, everybody. I, uh... I will say I am mourning the loss of Cleffy Boudreau, but <laughs> every every summer comes to an end, and eventually you have to come home from camp, I guess. It's a tragedy, but maybe he was on that plane with, um, why can't I think of the name? Buddy Holly? Buddy Holly. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Holly, the big bopper, Richie Valens, and Cleffy <laughs> Boudreau. <laughs> <laughs> the forgotten, the forgotten casualty of that. He on that, that on that tour, he was the opener. He just warmed the crowd up with some great, you know, borscht jokes. <laughs> and now we go to patron thoughts 
for this one, non sequitur. Text Bear says, we interrupt our series of episodes with Harry Kim almost getting laid for one where he does get laid, but just with his girlfriend. Bob J. Coaster, Coaster, maybe Coaster, Coaster. Non sequitur. It's been a while, Bob. Haven't heard from you in a while. Kim endangers the entire time stream with no idea what will happen just so he won't feel guilty about not being trapped in the Delta Quadrant. Even for him, that's terrible characterization. Two rare glimpses of Earth culture out of five. Also, is there any time limit on this? I don't remember. Did they place some sort of time limit? No, there's no rush. He could have lived there for 15 years and then be like, all right, I get it. And then go back to the ship, right? Yeah. Could have had one last... One last time, one last uh, go around with his lady friend before taking off. It was, it was like he goes time. through, he stays, uh, he gets married, and then they have their first kid, and it's like an ugly baby, and he's like, ah, I'm out. And then he just. <laughs> <laughs> they never respected my warp drive idea, Libby. <laughs> this takes off. This is Norman Buckwald. I sent the comment to you. This Harry Kim story ends up being bland as it's more of a curious anomaly than world building. Unless, who knows, this alternative federation is run by Admiral Clancy of Picard. One San Francisco coffee shop, mysterious alien out of five. Cal Barrett says, non sequitur, Voyager's first one out of five. It doesn't feel like it while you're watching it. There's nothing actively horrendous. But when I got to the end and looked back, I realized there's just nothing of value here. Harry's decisions are, decisions are never explored. The sci-fi explanation is nonsense. If Garrett Wang was any stiffer, they'd have to pixelate him. And his girlfriend has no personality outside of her baffling adoration for Harry. There's less chemistry than my old science lessons where we did nothing but watch Volcano with Tommy Lee Jones on repeat. The apartment is pretty nice, though. That sounds like a good class. Yeah. Although now, also, as, a, now as a parent, I'd be... Any, any teacher showing movies in school, I'm just be like, you deserve to have your pay docked for what you've done here. <laughs> I, uh, I I was getting, I kept thinking that uh, his girlfriend was the the girlfriend from Heat. Uh, oh, sure. Robert De Niro's girlfriend. It's not, but she had the same kind of uh, that long 90s Louis, Julia Louis-Dreyfus type hair. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> this is um, uh, Wes Durland. Good Harry Kim episode. Thus starts the long trend of Harry running as far as he can from a beautiful woman. Always nice to see three stolen runabouts out of five. Point Extra G says, non sequitur, it's rare to see an episode that only features two of the main cast prominently. Also rare to see a character be in every scene in an episode. It's always fun to have those reality-bending episodes. This one is inoffensive and fine. At least Harry got some. The next one that you are going to read is from Brandon Neal Howells, as soon as I send it over here. What if Harry Kim had never been chosen for the Voyager mission, but remembers his time on the ship anyway? Much like Harry's character, this episode is bland and rather boring. And Harry, even in the company of his girlfriend, just tries to run away. I can't believe they still have fire escapes in the 24th century. Two and a half unpleasant shapeshifters out of five. It's old town. We need to to talk about that escape sequence. I completely forgot about it. The girlfriend shuts the window and the guys act as if she has locked the door to yes. a bank vault so that they cannot get in because they're chasing him. She shuts the sliding glass window and mm-hmm. they're like, fuck, we have to run outside now. Yeah. And then I liked I liked when he when they cut to him running down the fire escape and then one guy just comes lunging out of the window <laughs> below. <laughs> and the um the last scene where it's it's always done in a movie where the guy rides the sliding ladder down to get off mm-hmm. of the thing. But they did it in a way that clearly OSHA had not 
like cleared what he was supposed to do. But it's like him <laughs> him dropping about six inches and then he hops off. Um, I've always wanted to do that. It looks in real life it would be extremely dangerous, but I always wanted to do it. I don't. Is I mean, any place that has those things, right? It must be so rusted and oh, old yeah. that oh, you cannot yes. possibly do that. Yeah. 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 Benjamin Espinosa says, okay, I can suspend disbelief disbelief because of sci-fi, but Kim is pulling way above his level with his fiance. If I was Kim, I would have no problem staying right where I was. Timeline be damned. Another pointless episode that makes zero sense when you think about it. One lonely fiance out of five. <laughs> Oop. Scrapple John Zorn is the next one. Sorry, it's hard to get ahead while I'm copying these to you. There you go. Hey, Harry. Artie Bucco there knows exactly where your apartment is because he's banging your fiance. I can't believe you fell for the I'm an alien from the future here to look after you line. This is a rare Voyager episode in which exactly zero character motivations make sense, and I don't believe anyone in this story would behave the way they behave. I don't even believe Vulcans drink mochas, much less <laughs> extra sweet ones. I imagine that Vulcans would choose spent coffee grounds in secret for the emotional stimulation. Stupid? Yes. But more interesting than this episode, I'm running out of twos to give this season. Jonathan J.K. Morris says, Non sequitur, a great way for Harry Kim to run around and stretch until he's tired in his what-if scenario, until his favorite barista sends him back. Best part was just seeing Earth. Libby isn't an, isn't an interesting character and can understand why the books spiced her up some. This character returns in books. Two cool Yellowstone runabouts oh out of five. Change. Even the name of this episode... Makes no sense. That, it, it tells you that it's worthless. It's just like, yeah, this doesn't matter. I don't even understand <clears throat> how does it thematically tie in to things. It doesn't, right? There's nothing. No. I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, maybe they maybe they cut the scene where after the alien explains what he's going on, he's like unrelated, and then he goes into like a long story <laughs> of you know one time, one time when he went to Jamaica. Your explanation uh, makes just as much sense, which is that none of it really matters, which is uh, too 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 meta. I think this is Changeling. <laughs> uh, this is a swing and a miss episode for me. Feels like there was a lot of potential for drama, being torn between his friends on Voyager and his fiance. But Harry already seems resolved to go back right from the start, which completely diffuses the tension. Gosh, this episode is lame, and the title is stupid. One purple monkey dishwasher out of five. What's the Purple Monkey? Uh, purple Monkey Dishwasher is a Simpsons reference oh. where uh, Bart <sighs> Bart Bart goes to a teachers union strike rally, I think, and he he's at the back of the uh, crowd whispers something that like the uh, they were all they were, they were going to get replaced or something and then the, the information passes telephones its way down to the front yeah and then it, it comes out as they said they're going to replace us purple monkey dishwasher and they said well they're not going to replace us i don't know what about what anything about that purple monkey, monkey dishwasher thing though <laughs> <clears throat> i don't that's that's like 20 percent accurate of what actually happens but that's the basis <laughs> of the, of the joke. it's a bit it's i don't a bad know telephone uh, connection i guess yeah. yeah i'm not sure how that applies to this though but Aaron Million maybe it's a nice non sequitur maybe Aaron Million says probably going against the grain here but I loved this episode not because Wang is a great actor he isn't but because it presents an alternate life that he could have easily lived but did not based on in this case being assigned to Voyager 
It just made me think about life, how one decision can totally change the direction of your life. Some of the best track episodes are the ones that make you think, and this one did that for me. 4.5 alternate lives out of 5. I appreciate that viewpoint, but at the same time, please don't take offense when I say, what has gone so wrong in your life? (laughs) Harry Kim can't save you. (laughs) That this episode is making you rethink your decisions. (laughs) I'm sorry. You know, I I could have just wandered around town aimlessly for... 45 minutes. Eric McGowan says, non sequitur, an interesting change of pace to go to Earth and focus just on Harry and his girlfriend left behind in the Alpha Quadrant, but the episode doesn't rise above mediocrity. Three out of five. Why the hell do they pick Harry to be the, to it the must, character? It was just his show. turn, I think. Just you, He has a contractual quota or something. This is Jaron Hatch. Baffling. Should have just been to Tom a- Paris. It's Tom Paris makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, Paris hasn't been featured that much in the season so far. No, he ha- this actually, you know, just just from the glimpse we get of him here, I thought two things. A, I thought, boy, he really changed dra- dramatically after the pilot of the show, where he just became like he went from rebel, like uh, Han Solo esque, you know, rebel with a cause, bad boy guy, to being the sort of joke character that people had to explain all the sci-fi concepts to and the doctor would slap right stuff like yeah. that it was I a, mean, the guy's, a weird shift the guy's still smart yes like he's still a star like a really good <laughs> starfleet pilot he's not a fucking moron <laughs> but he does dress like sinbad for some yeah reason he's, in got, this he's a huge vest game which is probably the the leading problem uh, that he's yeah. got going for him jaron hatch uh, they made an episode about the guy who wants to get back home more than anyone, but at no point is he actually tempted to stay when he gets a chance to go back. Even He even gets a, jo- a great job and a sexy girlfriend. She's They could have done better, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> he, like, I was thinking about that where I was like, I feel like, I feel like if you're not going to really tell the story here, you have to really make everybody go, yeah, that I wouldn't leave that girl. Right, yeah. Uh, but hey, everybody's got different different things they like. Uh, uh, he even gets a great job and a sexy girlfriend. Yet all he can think about is getting back to Voyager because it's where he belongs. There's no real emotional conflict here. It's just another problem of the week to be solved. The climax with Paris is also incredibly convenient and far, far too easy. A classic example of Voyager spoiling a great premise with lackluster execution. Two unpleasant shapeshifters out of five. Artorius says, to be honest, I thought this episode was very boring in the first half and Kim's performance didn't help. This episode required Kim to sell the fact that he was torn between the reality he knew on Voyager and the one he had now with the love of his life. Unfortunately, he was no better a salesman than Quirk was with his fake low-buy crystals or lobby crystals. There was nothing in this episode that sold me on the fact Kim wanted to stay. If anything, it was constantly telling me he wanted to leave. There wasn't even conflict in this episode till the somewhat contrived Starfleet rationale of Kim being a spy. It was a missed opportunity of the temptation of having everything you want at the expense of your best friend's future if you had the option to see the great what if, but we don't see that in this episode. Two out of five. I mean, the other thing that just, the other problem of having Paris and Kim in this episode is that I think the episode is trying to say that Kim is doing this for Paris to like, to like save his right. life, which yeah. I thought is incredibly milk toast and stupid like that yeah. i just i didn't i didn't like that at all i didn't find that very effective i thought it was just like two degrees of watering the story down for no particular reason yeah you know what i was just thinking 
you know how they could have actually made this work with Harry is if they had gone the completely opposite direction than they usually do with these things. So it's like he wakes up, he's back on earth. His girlfriend's there and he's like, Oh my God, I'm back on earth. This is amazing. I don't know what happened, but I, I'm, this is the happiest I've ever been. And then like in quick succession, he finds out that she's like three weeks pregnant, but there's no way that's possibly his baby. Yeah. And like, you know, he, he gets released from Starfleet because of some, you know what I mean? Like it just, it becomes awful. Right. And so now he's now he's torn with like, well, I'm back home, but my life sucks. <laughs> or do I go back to Voyager where at least I'm around people who who I appreciate and you know that kind of you know something like that. That would be kind of fun. And he's the uh, the rationale once he gets back on Voyager about why the ship is stopping so often. He's like, "Come on. We don't need to get back there so quickly, yeah. guys. Let's <laughs> let's enjoy this this trip that we're on. It's all about It's okay, the guys. Take your time. It's not my kid." <laughs> Matt Ross is our next commentor, and it's coming to you right now. Very interesting idea, yet very bland. At least Ensign Kim gets laid, presumably. The idea that he is the central moral compass of Tom Paris helps create a warm bromance that lasts the entire series run. I was waiting for Kim to realize that Lieutenant Lasky or his best bud Danny would be all over Libby now that he's lost in the Delta Quadrant. The aliens being unable to help other than to give a hint was a refreshing change with the chance that the correction would blow up literally, but again, everything is reset. A common Voyager trope. It's nice to know It's nice to know that future Earth, whether San Francisco or New Orleans, I'm sorry, Trans Francisco, I believe is what it was called. <laughs> or maybe that was just the, that, that might have just been the name of the subway system, I'm not sure. Uh, or anywhere, all looks like the same, all looks the same from the planter's into the red brick streets, three reused TNG SFX and sets out of five. Yeah, did you recognize the um, the reused TNG effect? Is the uh, when the sh- when the runabout is running away and the door of the space station shuts on them? Mm-hmm. Um, it's from that Relics episode with Scotty where they have the Dyson Sphere that they try to escape from. Oh, I 100% would never have noticed that. <laughs> Jonas says, non- that's why you're on the show. Jonas says, non sequitur, yep. a.k.a. non sequitur. Red Letter Media Test. Describe the personality of Harry Kim in three adjectives. Anyone? Mm. Bueller? Granted, occasionally Harry's personality gets some definition when he's next to another more well-defined character, such as the cocky, womanizing Tom Paris. In that case, Harry can be defined comparatively, i.e. as not like Tom Paris, i.e. timid and not very good with women. In the end, I guess it's good that the actor got his moment in the sun. A pretty entertaining, if underwhelming, episode. Three drunk losers out of five. The next one is Royo. I'll send it to you. I only have a couple left after this one. <clears throat> when a woman throws herself at Kim in prime factors, suddenly Kim can't stop gushing about some technology and leaves her hanging. When Kim wakes up with a girlfriend, he immediately tries to destroy destroy his plane of existence to escape this nightmarish existence. Mm-hmm. Were the writers doing this on purpose? Honestly, this is a better Tom Paris episode because it reminds us that Paris is con- constantly on the verge of relapsing into a complete loser whose talents go wasted. At least the change of scenery is a breath of fresh air. Two out of five. Clef- I wouldn't even I wouldn't even go that far to say it's a breath of fresh air because it's just it's so everything's bland. Yeah, it's just it's the like I said it's the backlot street. Yep, and then uh, the Harry- bar that they've used a bunch of times anyway. So. Yes, and Harry Kim's uh, chubby face. Clefley them says, non sequitur, now the ensign reaches new heights. This time he finally gets in a fight. A shuttle he steals to get back to the reel, but this episode's not very bright. Two time streams out of two 
Many. <laughs> Jacques Egemur says this. I like this episode partly due to the fact that I'm a sucker for Voyager episodes that connect back to the Alpha Quadrant in some way. That said, I still think there was a second gunman involved in the JFK assassination. <laughs> there was. It was the, it's the uh, Secret Service agent. That's my yeah. That's my theory. that's my that's my, my favorite. favorite theory. That's one I came across. I I had only heard um, when last podcast on the less did uh, uh, JFK. Yeah. The idea that it was the secret servant agent from the car behind that like tripped and fell and his gun went yeah, off and ex- shot accidentally in the head. fired his gun yeah it's yeah. Uh, bill james I, wrote about it too it's the one that makes the most sense i think it really does like when you when you hear someone explain it and then think about that as you're watching the zapruder thing it, like it makes a lot of sense yep it also i mean it just it, it fixes a lot of like what seems like contradictory thing where a lot of people said they heard a gunshot from the ground level you know yeah and mm-hmm. Not a second gunman per se, but just a, a horrible accident. So I, yeah. I think that I can't remember if they actually. So, the, but the I don't remember if the Secret Service agent is the fatal shot in that case. I don't think he is. I think, I think that Osborne is the one that hits the kill shot still in that situation. But, oh, interesting. Okay. So I don't think it matters, but it answers a lot of questions about it. Uh. Did you read? Yes, you read his. And the final comment, is it? Yes, it is. Latte Librarian says, non-sequitur, Harry got a get-out-of-Voyager free card and didn't take it, idiot. Libby's shoes were connected to her pants, and that seems very impractical. Two time threads <laughs> out of five. I wasn't paying attention to her shoes. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, that's it. We're done. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about Libby, Harry, and Tom Paris' vests. And his pool shark <laughs> sensibility. Also, the fact that Harry Kim beats him in a fight. Really, Tom Paris is just completely. Yeah. Just really pretty embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Thanks, patrons. Patreon.com slash the if you want to go there and leave comments like everyone did on this episode. So, Clay, on our scale of one to five, um, I'll go first, I guess, just because uh, you always go first. I'm. Uh, I sort of agree with Kyle's comment about it where, like, I I didn't realize it was bad while I was watching it. Yeah. So to kind of retroactively go back and punish it severely feels weird because I I did find it comfortably bad in in some ways. Like, while he was just kind of wandering around, I was not enthralled by it, but I also wasn't going like, oh, boy, this is an embarrassing thing, which I think we've talked about before. Like, it's a... In the way that the uh, elogium was the potentially embarrassing sex ed episode but it wasn't embarrassing i feel like this mm-hmm. was the time travel harry kim episode that was not embarrassing it just wasn't very good so long story short i'm gonna give it another two out of five yeah i'm gonna do the same thing i'm gonna do a low two yeah because uh, like it like i said at the top it's um it's really boring and then it gets pretty bad but like it's not egregiously bad it's just it's just really bleh you know yep yeah. For the for the most part, and so it's not it's not so bad that I can say, oh, this is one of the worst episodes we've seen. So, I mean, it might be actually, but yeah, like it's it 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 doesn't like go on the list of the worst episodes I've ever seen. So no, I would say no, low two, low two is fair. I would agree with that. That's it. Thanks everybody for listening. patreoncom slash file if you want to support the show. Otherwise, just listen to all the podcasts. Glad you have anything you want to say. Yes, my um. 
my issue, first issue of Batman White Knight Presents the Red Hood that I wrote with uh, Sean Murphy is now for sale at local comic book stores and should be on Comixology and stuff like that. So if you want to uh, help support me and the show by proxy, uh, go out there and grab a copy of it. Be yeah. much obliged. Mm-hmm. I can, If I remember, I'll try to put a link in the bottom of this post. People can click on it. Um, I guess that's it. We're done. Thanks, everybody, for Non Sequitur. I believe the next episode is Twisted, which I said last time was this episode, but it's not. Twisted is up next, I think. If Have I'm you wrong, ever seen I'm Back wrong. to School? Um, bits and pieces of it, not the, yeah. not the entire way through. Yeah, I, I decided to watch it on the way home from San Diego just because it was on HBO and I hadn't seen it before. It was fun. Yeah. Did I, you- it's weird seeing Robert Downey Jr. in a supporting 80s quirky friend role yes yeah he's working especially especially when the guy who's the lead in that movie is not good (laughs) he's pretty bland (laughs) harry kim himself to tom paris yeah i also i also watched morbius sure that's the vampire uh yeah yeah because i figured uh i'm never gonna watch morbius but it's on on the plane so i watched it and uh my review of morbius is that I fast-forwarded through about the last 30 minutes of it uh, when I realized I was watching more of Wayne's World over the shoulder of the guy in front of me than I was <laughs> watching Morbius. So That's a classic. Take that for what you will. Yeah. Who's the, it's, who's the actor in Morbius? Jared Leto. Jared Leto. That's right. Yeah. It's not good. Yeah. People talked about it on the Discord. I feel like all those... Uh, Marvel is that is that the unique one that Marvel doesn't actually own that did did they Marvel make yeah. that movie no it's Sony in associate quote unquote in association with Marvel okay um, but that it's a Sony movie because Sony still owns all the Spider Man side characters right and so they are desperately trying to make money off of all the characters who aren't Spider Man yeah uh, and so you get a lot of <clears throat> they're starting to get into Spider Man villain movies that exist without Spider-Man in them. Right. Which is just... Uh, is Craven the Hunter once. coming? Is that it? In the- yes. Yeah. They're doing a Craven movie, yes. Uh, I feel like it worked once with Venom just because, you know, the mix was just weird enough to work, but mm. this was a bad... It was a bad movie. It was so boring. <laughs> it, was, it was really boring, and there was nothing cool or fun about any of it. Yeah. Like, Jared Leto spends the entire movie... He gets turned into this vampire thing, and then he's he just doesn't do anything. He's just sad about it. Yeah. And then towards the end of the movie, the bad guy is revealed as Matt Smith the, from the from Doctor Who. He also turns into a vampire. He has way more fun. I wish the whole movie had been about him mm-hmm. because he at least has some fun with the fact that he's now a vampire. And it was just oh, it was so bleak and and just drab, <laughs> and it was oh, it was just boring and gross you've had a rough stretch of uh movies and star trek episodes we'll see if we can change that next week thanks everybody for listening see you around